At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today, we invite you to tune into our current series, Assembly Required, Building a Case for Church, where we'll see what the Psalms teach us about a life of faith lived in community. Okay, uh, I just want to address it because I love it. This is how I think church should be. With kids in church crying and screaming and running around, they need to be up under the ministry of the word. So if someone else's kids are bothering you, uh, just pray, right? Don't, don't feel uh, open to discipline them right now, all right? Just pray that God would, would help your heart, right? If your kids are bothering you, uh, then pray harder, I think, is probably what you need to do. But I'm so grateful that we get to be here, uh, all of us, as a family on mission. This is what it's supposed to be like. This is what it's supposed to feel like. So I want to ask a question about priorities. How do you know what your priorities are? You can answer it. It's okay. We do a lot of feedback here, right? Does anybody have an answer for how you know what your priorities are? Okay, good. Nobody else has to answer what you spend your time on. That is the right answer. For many of us, we have proclaimed priorities that this last season we've been in has either revealed or in some cases exposed that our proclaimed priorities might not actually be the priorities of our heart. And by priorities of our heart, I mean what we delight in, what we meditate on, where our desires lie, what we love, what we chase, what we're yearning for, what we're thinking about, what our minds wander off, whatever those things are. Wherever we spend our time, those are our actual priorities. And the truth of the matter is that our delights, the things that we cherish and meditate on and think on, that these are our priorities. So as we gather together here in church, what's our priority as a church? I hope that as you've been coming to Woodside Bible Church of Pontiac, you would see that our priorities have not changed. You know, we don't have a prayer, evangelism, discipleship, or groups, ministries, or programs because that's who we are. It's in the very fabric of who we are, that we don't need a program to preach the word of God. We don't need a program to hopefully disciple brothers and sisters in the Lord. That is who we are. So what our priorities are is where we're going to spend our delight, our desire, and our time. So as you begin to analyze what this last quarter of 2020 has looked like in your life, you know, perhaps you've had some revealed or, dare I say, exposed priorities that, that maybe the Lord wants to meet with you about right now. So, so that's where our, our minds should be as we hear this message. As we open our Bibles to Psalm chapter 1, so go ahead, open your Bibles to Psalm 1. If you don't have the word of the Lord with you physically, you can get on your phone, uh, you can get on uh, the screen behind us, the words will be up here. But I want us to understand that we prioritize what we delight in. Let's all repeat that together, everybody. We prioritize... So usually when we repeat something, someone says it first, and then you say it afterwards. Okay, we prioritize what we delight in. That was way better. Let's do it again. We prioritize what we delight in. Okay, so what we delight in most, value most, what our priorities are, and, and even when we gather as a church body, that's what we're here to address today and for the remainder of this series. We've been in a series called Revealed, Stories with Purpose, where we analyzed a handful of Jesus' parables, and now we're moving into a new series today where we're going to look at a number of psalms. It's called Assembly Required. So an assembly required, it's got a, a bit of a double meaning, right? That we are required to assemble, but there's also a little bit of assembly that is required to have a local church body, to have a family of believers today. So we're starting this new series in the Psalms, and I think the Psalms is the perfect place to make a case for why we gather together in church. Because the, the book of Psalms is a compilation of prayers. It's a compilation of songs. It's a compilation of emotions. Now, how many of you have felt a lot of emotions since March? Somebody said, "Woo, 
That was you. Amen. I felt that emotion a few times myself since March, right? So, and, and the Psalms is wrought with emotion. So we need to understand that this isn't just somebody's individual prayer book or somebody's individual song book that they retreat into a place of seclusion to, to worship the Lord by themselves. That this is actually a, a bit of a manual for how we are supposed to talk to God, how we're supposed to worship God, how we're supposed to pray to God, how we're supposed to feel towards God. So as we uh, look at assembly required and kind of why we gather as a church that we're here in the book of Psalms and I think it's the best place we can be. I got to take just a minute to talk to everybody on Facebook. If you can't come to the building, I love you and I'm so grateful that you're worshiping right now right where you are and we want to make sure that you don't feel any less attached to what's going on here. So please continue to, to fill up the comment box, continue to make sure your needs are known. We love you, we love you. And what I hope happens today is that whenever you're allowed to come back, for whatever reason you're not here in the building today, I respect it, I appreciate it, but I hope that this series and our message today would build up a cherishing for why we get to gather together. So everybody else heard what I said, but I wanted to address everybody on Facebook for that. So we're gonna start this series with the very first Psalm. And I think it's really important that we start with Psalm 1. Psalm 1 is a beautiful psalm, and it's, it's a very short psalm, only six verses, but it lays out very, very clearly what the blessed or happy life looks like and what the wicked or, you know, dare I say, sad life looks like. And it talks about a modern day example, exactly how we're going to feel today, but then ultimately what the life in eternity looks like and feels like. So we're going to read the word of the Lord together. Psalm chapter one, we're going to read it in its entirety. Follow along on the screen up here or in your Bibles in your hand, because how many of you believe and agree that you need to hear the word of God and not necessarily my words today? Yeah, amen. Yeah, you can please cheer for that. We need, you need God's word more than you need my word. You need God's opinion more than you need my opinion. But I thank God that he has brought me to this place today to declare a message of truth to you. Psalm chapter one. Blessed or happy is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, and the way of the wicked will perish. If you are a child, I need you to look at me real quick, okay? All the kids, I need you to just look at me real quick. And I'm going to come over to your tables. So I just want to tell you kind of what this says. What this, this uh, psalm that I just read meant. Now, psalm can really just mean song, right? So it's a song that we're singing, and it's a prayer that we're praying to God. And basically what the psalmist is saying here, kids, is that, how many of you know a mean person? Come on, kids. How many of you know a mean person? It can be me, right? It can be your parent, right? I know sometimes parents are mean. So what this is saying is that you will be happy if you don't listen to the advice of the mean people, if you don't do the things that the mean people do, and if you don't mock God like mean people do. Mocking God or making fun of God or pretending like you have a better idea about God than God does. And then what it says is there's a happy way of life and there's a sad way of life. So as we talk about this today, you know, we're, we're breaking it down just a little bit, kids. So we're going to talk about just a happy way of life and a sad way of life. I need all the kids to answer me. How many of you would like to be happy? If that's you, say yes real loud. How many of you would like to be happy if you're a kid in here? Kids, how many of you would like to be happy? Okay, that's good. How many of you would like to be sad today? 
Amen. You need to pay attention then, right? We are all on the same page here, kids and adults. So we look at Psalm 1, and it gives us the primacy of God's word in our life and the importance of the word. Kids, the word is, your, is what you're going to need to pay attention to today. The word is your word today, okay? So the word of God. The Psalm 1 puts the primacy and the importance of the word in our lives. And if we want to gather as a church rightly, and if we want to gather as a church well, then we must gather as the psalm directs, we gather to delight in God's word. That's the bottom line for today. That's the big idea for today. We gather to delight in God's word. Let's try and repeat that. We gather to delight in God's word. Good, we caught it. That's good. So what happens when we delight in God's word? I want to give us three points today. Somebody say three points. I want to give us three points today of what the Word does in our life and why we can gather to delight in God's Word. We're going to look at Psalm chapter 1, all six verses we're going to get at today. The first point is that the Word brings blessing. The Word brings blessing. Now the psalm opens with that word. It literally says blessed, which could be translated in, in the original Hebrew probably most closely to happy. Happy is the person that doesn't do these things. Happy is the person that doesn't listen to the counsel of the wicked. So the first question we have to ask is, where are you getting your advice from? Right? As you have problems that are happening in your life, as you're dealing with lots of emotions in your life, where are you getting your advice from? If happy is the person that doesn't take counsel of the wicked, then how can we expect to be happy if we're taking counsel from a political party, or if we're taking counsel from a 24-hour news cycle, or if we're taking counsel from, you know, Bob on Facebook who didn't go to medical school but knows everything there is to know about the coronavirus, right? So, like, where are we getting our advice from? So, the psalm says, happy is the man who walks not in the advice of the mean people or the bad people or the wicked. And then it goes on. So it's almost a degree, actually, that this kind of ascends as a degree. Happy is the man who doesn't take advice from the wicked and then also stand in the way of the sinners. Now, this doesn't mean stand in the way of the sinners, like stand in their way and block their way. It means stand like a sinner. It means stand in company with the rest of the world. It means standing, doing everything the rest of the world or perhaps the wicked people around you are doing. So just because uh, the world is doing it, that does not mean that you, follower of Jesus Christ, should be doing it. Amen? All right, that's okay. We'll, we'll get there. <laughs> that's a real easy one to say amen at, guys. Okay, well, it, it, it's good. All right, so again, so it's not taking advice from the wicked, not standing in the way of sinners, and then not sitting in the seat of scoffers, which is perhaps the furthest from repentance. That is the person that mocks God. That is the person that said, like someone said to me who's very close to me at the end of June, if Jesus Christ has been around for so long, why isn't he doing anything to fix it? That is a place that is far from repentance. That is a place where uh, that there's no wonder that this person isn't happy. There's no wonder that this person is not living the blessed or happy life because they have, done, they have acted like this. And how do we know this? How is this evidenced? How is it evidenced that happy is the person who doesn't do these things? By verse 2, it says that he delights in the law of the Lord. When we hear law of the Lord, you should think of the Word or the Bible, Moses and the prophets as we saw last week, the Old and New Testaments, right? All of these things. That he delights in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. So what this means is no matter the context, no matter the time of day, no matter what's going on, happy is the person who's able to meditate on the Bible, on the word of God, no matter what's going on in their life. 
Now, many of us, I think, and I won't ask anybody to raise your hand because uh, uh, your participation hasn't been great so far today, okay? So we can get better, though. We're going to get there together. It's going to be great. We're all going to participate at some point. But what we see happening here is how many of us have ever maybe experienced some contexts in our life where we didn't want to read the Bible? You don't have to raise your hand. It's okay. But I think that all of us, if we're honest, you know, maybe uh, when we're tired at night, we're like, ah, oh, I think I'm supposed to read the Bible today, but... I can do it tomorrow. Or if you have maybe some free time at lunch, right? You've got some downtime. What are you running to, right? Are you saying, I should probably check out Warrior Nun on Netflix, right? The, the ad came, see, some of you who are on Netflix a lot, you, you know what's happening, right? I checked it out. I don't know any nuns personally, but I don't think they swear like that. So I turned it off pretty quickly, <laughs> right? So, so if this man is happy, if this person is blessed, who doesn't do these things, but then does meditate on the law of the Lord day and night, no matter the context, no matter what's going on. How do your desires reveal your spiritual priorities? How do your desires reveal your spiritual priorities? That when you've got a little bit of downtime to yourself, are you running to Netflix? Are you running to Amazon Prime? Are you running to get on the phone and gossip with somebody? Are you running to just take a little rest and take it easy and say, ah, I've worked so hard that, that I don't need to read the Bible. I don't need to care about it. Now, hear me when I say this. This is not an indictment of your time. I'm not standing in front of you saying, if you don't log six hours in the Bible a day, you're a sinner. It's not what I'm saying at all. What this is, is not an indictment of your time. This is a reflection of your heart. That if you don't want to read the Bible, if you're not interested in being around the Word of God, if you don't want to take advice or counsel from the law of the Lord, then that's not a time issue. That's a heart issue, church. That's us saying that we don't delight in the Word of God. And if we don't delight in the Word of God, what's the psalm say? It says that we're going to take counsel from the wicked, stand in the way of sinner, and sit in the seat of the scoffer. And that we will receive blessing. Point number one is the Word brings blessing. How do your delights bless you? Do they bless you just for a minute? And then when that pleasure is gone, you're not blessed anymore? Do they bless you just for a night, and then you wake up and you got a terrible headache? How do your delights bless you? Because if the word of the Lord remains like we all just sung, then that's going to bless us into perpetuity. Amen? So in reality, this is the life where true human flourishing and blessing is found. And it is found in the word, centered on the word, built upon a response to the word. This is why we do this when we gather Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, week after week after week after week. This is the single longest thing we do every single week, right? This is the longest thing you have to tolerate when you come to church on Sunday is someone standing up telling you about the Bible, telling you why the Bible is so important. This is why it's central to our worship gatherings. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought, man, I would really just prefer to sing songs all Sunday? Why do I have to hear somebody stand up and make me feel bad? Why do I have to hear someone stand up and yell at me on Sunday? It's not about that. It's about the Word. It is about the delight in the Word. It's about sitting up under the authority of God every single Sunday because that's where true blessing is found. That's where true human flourishing is found. That's where true life is found, up under the ministry and authority of the Word. We come under the teaching of the scriptures every single Sunday. And why we gather in this series called Assembly Required is because the word brings blessing to us. And if we're convinced by the world and not the word where blessing is found, it's always something external, right? It's always, once I get this, then I'll be happy. Or once I have X, Y, Z, then my life will be satisfied. 
Or if this person gets in office, then everything's going to be better. If there's one, you know, I have a, actually my undergraduate degree is in political science. And there's only one thing that I'm sure about politics. It's that someone's always wrong, right? All you have to do is ask somebody, right? I'm sure we could have a million different opinions in here, right? And so if we're just constantly holding out hope for something else that's going to pass away and that's going to get out of office one day. It's no wonder that our blessing and our delight can be ripped away as quickly as it can be added. But when our blessing and our delight is found in the word of God, the word of God that will never go anywhere, that heaven and earth will pass away, but the word will remain, that's how our blessing can remain. That's how our delight can remain. That's why we do this every single Sunday, and that's why we're going to keep doing this every single Sunday, that we're going to hear from the word of the Lord because our blessing comes from the word. Our blessing comes from our proclamation and declaration of Christ crucified and raised, right? Giving forgiveness of sinners, offering us life abundantly on earth and eternally in heaven so that we won't be swayed by the world to go find peace and joy somewhere external, that we can find peace and joy and blessing and fruitfulness and salvation and everything we could ever want right here in the word of the Lord. Now, if we can't find that today, then you just got some work to do. And, and thank God that you have work to do. Because you can't do it yourself. This is the easiest work you could possibly ever do. Or should I say the simplest work you can possibly ever do. Ask Jesus to help you. Right? That's what we do. If we need help, we can ask Jesus to help us. And by the ministry and power of his Holy Spirit, he will help us if we're earnest in our need for help. So church, we gather to delight in God's word because the word brings blessing. And then point number two, the word brings fruitfulness. Let's look at verse three. He... Again, this blessed or happy person is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in all that he does, he prospers. Inika, do you have those pictures of those trees? Amen. Let's get those trees up on, up on screen here. So, verse 3 tells us about, we start to get into this agricultural stuff. Great, let's, let's go to the other one first. Yeah, that one's less attractive, much less attractive. So it says that, uh, that this man, this happy man, is planted... Right? He doesn't say he planted himself. It says he is planted. He has been planted. It's a lot like John 15, that, that we are abiding in God. And if we abide in him, then really good things can happen when we stay attached to the vine. But the word says that no good can come of our own. That if we become detached of the vine, if we become detached of Christ, then it also says that you're cut down and thrown into the fire. It doesn't really go well for the person that is detached from Jesus Christ. So as we look at the word bringing fruitfulness, like the man like a tree that's planted by streams of water, what does that mean? Streams of water throughout the book of Psalms is often referring to God's grace, is often referring to the goodness and grace and character of God the Father, and then ultimately in Jesus Christ. There's a lot of foreshadowing here. So when you are planted by streams of water, it means that you're planted by God's grace. It means you're planted by Christ's righteousness. It means you're planted by the only place that you're going to get life from, the only place that you're going to get sustenance from. So like this tree right here that has no fruit on it, can anyone tell me what kind of tree that is? You, you, you could figure a dead tree, that's right, that's a good answer, right? You, you could use some deductive reasoning. Uh, we saw an orange tree, that's an orange tree, but how do you know? You can't tell. Let's continue in verse 3. It yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, it prospers. So if we are looking at a dead tree, how do you know what kind of tree it is? If not by its fruit being born. And the same goes for us. If we gather together to delight in the word and we believe that the word brings blessing and we believe the word brings fruitfulness, how will anybody know who's who your life belongs to if there's no fruit? How will anybody know if your leaves have withered off? 
How will anybody know if you're bearing no fruit in the season you're supposed to be bearing fruit in? How will anybody know if you have not been planted next to the streams of living water? So as we look at this together, and, and now let's go to that other tree. Let's go to the, the nice looking orange tree, right? So what kind of tree is that? Yeah, go ahead. You can answer it. Say it out loud. That's good. You have the answer already. So the imagery here is to help us in consideration of the place of the word of God in our lives. Just like the psalm is about to go into a very stark contrast come verse 4, there is a very stark contrast in the difference between these two trees. There's a dead tree and there's a tree that's alive. Now, as we look at our own lives, as we look at the ministry of the word in our own lives, are you a dead Christian or are you an alive Christian? And how would anyone know? If you just know inside, you say, I got my relationship with God, it's, it's just between me and, me and him. And yes, a life with Christ is personal, but it's not private. It's never private. A life with Christ means that we are ministering to the world. It means that we are planted by streams of water. It means that we're bearing fruit, and that fruit is righteousness. That fruit is good deeds. That fruit is the, the outcome of our way of life. And it means that our leaves will never wither. It means that no matter what comes up against us, I don't know what happened to that dead tree there. I don't know if it was because of a drought. Google might know. That's where I got the picture from. But something happened to that tree for it to no longer have leaves and no longer bear fruit. And I think today, now more than ever, the world needs to see a bunch of Christian trees or blessed and happy men and women who are planted by streams of water whose leaves will not, who will not wither at the sign of adversary. There's adversary and adversity all over our lives today. There's adversity when you turn on the TV. There's adversity when you open your Facebook thread. There's adversity when you go to work. There's adversity on the, on the road, on every highway you go to. How many of you have ever driven and not felt like you were in an adverse situation, right? You just get cut off one time and you're like, ah, I forgot I'm a Christian, right? This is exactly what the world needs to see today. Because how many of us would go to a dead tree and say, I can't wait till that thing bears some fruit? No. We're going to run to this tree and we're going to say, I want that fruit. I want that righteousness up there. I want the shade from, that right, from, from the leaves that have not withered. I want to be planted by whatever this tree is planted by because clearly good things are happening. That as our lives are tied and anchored to the word, as our desires and meditations and love is found in the word, then our priorities are going to be the word. And that's where we'll have delight and that's where we'll experience blessing and that's where we'll experience fruitfulness. That we can expect the people of God to be vibrant. That if we are a church that departs from the word, then I don't expect us to do things in the community. I don't expect the east side of Pontiac to ever change. But for this church, I can't speak for every other church, but for this church, the word will never go away. Our delight in the word will never go away. That we as a people, spiritual family on mission, that if we lose sight of why we're here, if we start thinking that, man, I just really like hanging out with these people, so I'm going to keep doing it every Sunday, and then we, we push Jesus out of the picture, then we're going to be a dead church. Then we're going to be a church that's not going to thrive at all. We're going to be a church that's going to bear no fruit and have no leaves for people to come up under and, and receive shade from the sun that's burning them down. We'd be setting ourselves up for failure if in our gatherings we ever departed from the word. So as we go through the series of assembly required, in our gathering, we're going to have the word with a, a primacy of importance. That, that is always going to be there. It's never going to go away. And in our lives, we have to ask that question. We have to ask, am I, am I not feeling a life of blessing right now? Am I not experiencing a life of fruitfulness right now? Am I not delighting in the ministry of the word right now? And if that's true, then you have some questions to ask Jesus. Then you got some work to do with the Lord. 
You need to just ask, why, God? Why, why do I not care about this? Why do I not like this? Because we don't gather for feelings, right? Now, some, it feels good to gather, amen? It feels good to sing songs. It feels good to see eight-year-olds get baptized. Like, it's exciting. This is an exciting feeling for us. But those feelings can fade away very quickly, right? That, that, that those feelings are fickle. We can't allow them to influence everything we do. We must allow what we know to be true about the word of God to dictate what we feel about the word of God. So if we do truly gather together to delight in the word, if the word truly brings blessing and truly brings fruitfulness, then we need to move on to verses 4, 5, and 6, which is where we're going to land our time today. And it's point number three. Most importantly, I believe, the word brings salvation. That yes, we'll have a happy life. If we stay anchored to the word. That yes we will bear fruit in righteousness. If we stay anchored for the word. But if we've not experienced. The salvation that the word brings. Then we're still dead. Right it doesn't mean that you're a good or bad Christian. It just means you're dead or alive. That's the difference. Right we're not looking for good Christians. We're looking for people that are regenerated. We're looking for people that are alive. That's who Jesus is looking for. That's who the world is looking for. The world does not expect a perfect example from the church. The world expects an alive example from the church. One that is not dying and withering, uh, uh, that they've been detached from the thing that has built them up. So let's look at verses 4, 5, and 6 as we land the message here. This is where the stark contrast comes in. Remember, verses 1 through 3 talked about the things that the happy man or happy person doesn't do, and then what they're like. Verse 4, the contrast comes in. The wicked are not so but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So now the psalmist, he zooms out. He zooms out to eternity. And he says that this is what uh, the happy life looks like, and now the wicked are not like this. This is not the way their life is going to look. That no matter what their life looks like on earth, it's not going to look like that in eternity, right? This should bring back kind of what we talked about last week with the rich man and Lazarus in Luke chapter 16. That there's only two ways to go. There's only two ways to choose. There's the way of blessing or there's the way of wickedness. That there is the way to heaven or is the way to hell. There's only two ways to choose. And this pans out now. The psalmist zooms out and looks at eternity and says, what's going to happen? The way of the wicked. It might work out for them while they're here. I think my son's saying hallelujah and amen. If anybody needs interpretation, that's what he's saying. He's, he's, yeah, he's not mad. He's excited. So as the psalmist zooms out to eternity, he's saying that what we need to look at now is the way of the wicked that's going to perish. And how do we know this and why do we see this? Because the wicked will not stand in judgment. That doesn't mean that they won't stand to be judged. It means they won't stand and they will fall in judgment, that they will be cast down in judgment. And why? Because the Lord will not allow them to be in the congregation of the saints because the Lord knows that no matter how much we want to try to convince ourselves that our delights and our priorities and our desires are in the word, the Lord knows. No matter how much we want to try and convince our spouse or our friends or our co-workers or those at church that were real good Christian people, the Lord knows. So ultimately, the word brings salvation, and our delight should be in the word because that's what we're all looking for. We're all looking for a savior. Every single one of us are looking for someone to save us. I know that Jesus is the only one that can ever do that, so that's where I'm putting all of my faith, hope, and trust, right? I don't see that in anywhere in the world, someone that can save me. I see Jesus as the only one who can save me. We remember who the righteous are 
from the, from the, the first couple of verses of the psalm. And then the person that places themselves under the word of God makes their delight and meditation on the path of salvation. They come into the protection and guidance of the word. And we know this from all kinds of other proof texts throughout the word, right? John 1.1, 1, 1, the word, in the beginning the word was with God and the word was God. And then John 1.2 says he, it's talking about Jesus. The word is a person, the word has a name. Hebrews 4, that the, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, that it discerns mind and heart, it discerns soul and spirit. 2 Timothy 3, that the word is lived out, it's breathed out by God. And it's good for teaching, it's good for correction, it's good for reproof and rebuke. Why? So so that the man of God could be equipped for every good work. Romans 10, faith comes by hearing, hearing through the word of Christ. We see all throughout the word the importance and primacy of the word in our lives. And that's why it is so important for us as we gather together right now, as we sit in the congregation, that we gather to delight in the word. That the word, that faith comes by hearing. Somebody has to preach in order for somebody to hear. And, and what, what is heard? The word of Christ. Somebody has to be given revelation in order to, to write and then to preach. So right now, what we're doing is exactly what we're supposed to be doing for human flourishing. What we're supposed to be doing for a life of blessing, for a life of fruitfulness. The point to us today is this. That gathering together is where the word is not only taught to help us uh, instruct the believer, but where the word is proclaimed in order to save the sinner. It's that salvation, in salvation, we delight in God's word. That we can find the true meaning and hope and peace and belief and joy and salvation and blessing and fruitfulness and all of these things we're seeking in our lives. It can all be found right here in the word of God because the Holy Spirit is at work to regenerate sinners and we praise God for that. That new life happens when the word is received and believed and I don't know about you, but, but I want God to do a new thing in my life. I want God to do a new thing in this church. I want God to do a new thing on the east side of Pontiac and in every single one of our homes, wherever we've all come from, right? If we could just draw a web of every place we've driven in and every place we're going to go today, I want God to use that web of people who have put their delight in God's word, their life has been changed, that their, their life has been regenerated, new life has happened. I want that web to snatch up everybody in there. I want to see everybody see true believers that are planted by streams of water, that their fruit is being born in its due season, their leaves are not withering, and in everything we do, we prosper. And this is not some kind of name it and claim it prosperity gospel. That's not what I'm saying at all. That's not what the Bible is saying either. It is that righteousness will be shown from your life. The righteous are distinguished not by any action of their own, but by the action and activity of the Lord. So as we gather together, as we've opened a series today called Assembly Required, which we're going to pick up next week in Psalm chapter 51, which is probably the next logical progression is to go deep into the depths of our sinful hearts, that we need to answer the question, what, is, what are my priorities? What are my priorities as a human being? And then what is our priority as a church? And if you believe that the priorities we proclaim as a church are not the priorities that you see lived out as a church, you got to meet with me, right? we got to talk. Because we got to get there together. Because I don't ever want to be the type of church that says something on a Sunday but can't live it out on a Thursday. Right? That that is not who we are and that's not ever who we're going to be. So who do you truly love? Where are your delights truly found? Is it in the Word? 
If so, then you will experience blessing, fruitfulness, and salvation. We know that the church gathers to delight in the word of God. We gather to reprogram our hearts away from this world and into the word. To, to enjoy the blessings of God, the nourishment of spiritual flourishing, and the security of salvation. So as the worship team comes back up, we're going to sing a song called This I Believe. And I want to invite everybody to their feet. And as we sing this song together, if it's just words on a screen, feel free to sing it. But if it is truly what the Holy Spirit of the living God has shown you through the ministry of the Word of God, then we should stand up and proclaim this truth to be true in our lives, over our lives, and in our church, and throughout our church. Because if these things that are about to show up on the screen, if this song that we're about to sing, that is basically the creed put to words, then our whole lives can change today. Then all of the lack of blessing that we're experiencing today, we can find it in the Word. All of the lack of fruitfulness that we've been uh, battling against day after day, month after month, we can find it in the Word. We gather as a church to delight in the Word. So is the Word a priority for you? Is the truth of the gospel a priority for you? And is our gathering here together to delight in the Word? Where your desires truly go? Or even right now, are you itching to get out of here to check social media? Or to go to lunch? Or to get to, uh, the movie theaters aren't open, are they? I don't know, I haven't been to a movie since I had little kids. So I don't, I don't know what that's like anymore. Are you thinking about the next thing? Or is this the next thing? Is worship, singing the word of God, put to, put to uh, music, is that the next thing? Is that the thing that your heart is delighting in? And if it isn't, ask Jesus to help you. We're going to pray that together right now. If it is, proclaim it loud so that everybody around us can see trees that are men and women who are blessed and happy men and women who are bearing fruit, whose leaves are not withering, and who in everything they do are prospering. Let's pray together as we lead into worship. Father, I love you and I trust you. I praise you and I believe you. I need you, Jesus. We need your word in our hearts. We need our lives to change. Jesus, your sacrifice is enough for us. Your word is enough for me. Forgive me for all the times when I've ran to other things. Forgive us as a church when we have not allowed the, the primacy of, of the word to be of the utmost importance. As we receive your forgiveness over our repentant hearts, May we walk forward in a, an expression of what it looks like to delight in your word, an expression of what it looks like for an entire congregation, a whole church body, a whole church family, to love the word of God so much that righteousness abounds in their life, to love the word of truth so much that salvation is found in their household, that salvation would find their whole family today. So I thank you for the Bible. I thank you that we have access to your word all the time. I thank you that we can worship you free from persecution. And I pray that as we sing this song together, that we have a proclamation in our own hearts and a proclamation over those around us. We love you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We thank you so much that you've given us, us this amazing opportunity. So together, as we worship, we put our hands together and we say hallelujah in the name of Jesus. We say thank you in the name of Jesus. We bless your holy name, Jesus. 
So right now, would you be pleased with our worship as you send your Holy Spirit to minister to our hearts. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We'd love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org contact to introduce yourself today.